Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Genesis of Startups, where we interview brilliant minds in entrepreneurship to explore what it's really like to start a business. Today, it's an honor to have Harry Crotter, co-founder and CTO of the multi-award-winning tech startup Advocate, a political engagement platform that uses data and technology to help shape better public policy. With over a decade of technology experience spanning banking, retail, logistics, and media, Harry spent the last five years developing products and scaling high-performing teams with startups in Silicon Valley, New York, and London. So good to have you on the show, Harry. Thanks, Will. So can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you're currently doing now? Sure. Yeah, so my name's, my name's Harry. I, um, I'm the CTO and founder of a company called Advocate. We work with companies who engage with government for all sorts of different reasons, whether that be to influence policy, whether that to be to satisfy some compliance obligations or whatever, but mostly big corporates, charities, and industry bodies. And I've been working on that with my friend, Nikki for a few years now, almost four years. Yeah. So yeah, so my background is in technology. So I've been working for about a little over 10 years now. Initially, I worked, my first job out of uni was as a business analyst at JP Morgan. So I worked in banking for a few years. And then I left there and I went into software development and started working for a couple of different companies here in Australia. Then I joined a startup that moved me over to San Francisco I spent a little while there, and then while I was there, a buddy of mine hired me over to a startup in New York. I spent a couple of years there and then moved over to to London and did a couple of years at a startup there, and then I moved back to Sydney to work on this business, Advocate, with with Nikki. Nice. Been all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Technology is a very cool job to, or industry to have a job in just because you can work anywhere. Absolutely. So I know that Advocate, the company that you're working with right now, is currently bootstrapped and you guys never received outside funding before. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about why is that the case? Sure. Yeah. So so kind of the, the, the very beginning of Advocate, Nikki got in touch with me because we'd been friends for a long time and, and we started talking about whether you know she, she had this idea and whether she should raise money. And it was a real moment for for us to like, think about like, you know, how do we want to build this business? There's a bit of a fork in the road. And the decision to bootstrap was in some sense based off my own experience at the companies I had been working at that were all VC backed. Hmm. And also part of it was that even though Nikki's background was in government relations and she came with a lot of industry experience, actually striking out and building a brand new product that didn't really exist at the time is it's a big unknown. We didn't really know the size of the market. We didn't really know. There was so many things that we didn't know about it. And as soon as you kind of go out and raise money, you know, you have the opportunity to pivot, but you also, you kind of sell a dream and you sell a magnitude of outcome. And if you don't really know where you're going, then, you know, it can be a bit of a poison chalice. Yeah. Basically, you guys were creating something entirely new. And the thing about raising money is you'll be selling a dream, but because this is something that's entirely new, you weren't sure about a lot of the things such as the market size Mm. and all those kind of things that we look out for. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think something that we really wanted to, to maintain as well is, for want of a better term, optionality with the business, you know, like we don't know what the business could become. And if you set out building a business and you find that 
after working on it for two years, you go, actually, this is a really fantastic niche business yeah. that has a ceiling on how big it can grow. But within that niche, it can be very, very profitable. But maybe it's not going to be worth an enormous amount of money. Then, you know, maybe bootstrapping is a good idea because it gives you the option to realize that, hey, the total addressable market isn't that big, but it's going to really pay me a great salary and afford me the life that I need. And, and I'm really happy with that outcome. And I don't want to have to bet the business to go and find some other avenue to grow it to increase the size of the, of the business where, yeah. you know, if you go out and raise money, basically VCs want you to 10x or die. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want you to just hang around being like, a tidy little company on their on their books for forever you know they want kind of a bit of a binary outcome yeah and i think that's the the advantage of bootstrapping is that you know you don't have to have that binary outcome and also if you're bootstrapping and you find that like hey this is a really great business that is a great candidate for raising money you can go do that and you'll probably go and do that at the point at which you know a lot more about your market and mm. you can raise money with a far more favorable valuation and you give away far less percentage and you don't dilute yourself as much. So I think there are, there are certainly things to be said for bootstrapping if your business is a good candidate for doing it. Yeah, I get your point. It's, um, there seems to be a whole kind of craving for raising finance. It's as if raising finance is the ultimate goal for a startup because, you know, we hear the news that XYZ company has raised $20 million in Series A funding yeah. and we kind of congratulate that. Yeah. But the stories where there's a neat little bootstrap company that's just riding along fine, that's never really publicized. Yeah. I mean, there are loads of companies that, are, that aren't in the news that are, that are going very, very well. And I, I think VC funding is right for some businesses and, and you know, I don't want to say it's like the wrong thing to do. But I think the, the thing that my experience working for these VC companies, uh, VC-backed companies kind of taught me was that it's very easy like to fetishize VC funding. Hmm. And like you say, you know, you see in the news like someone, some companies raised $20 million and everyone's like, wow, like what an achievement, you know, and it is an achievement. But it's not the point of starting a company like you don't raise, you don't start a company to raise money and get the news article you raise a company you start a company to build a business hmm. and make a product and change the world or make you lots of money or whatever it is that your outcome is for the business that's why you do it and the and the funding is a vehicle to get you there it's yeah. not where you're going so i think it's certain like being someone who's technically minded and who can who can write code like I'm used to having people come up to me and be like, hey, like, I've got this great idea. I just don't have the technical skills to do it. Like, should I go raise money? And, you know, if I just raise money, then I can get this developer and then I can go do the thing. And, it, and I think it's the raising money part is putting the cart before the horse a little bit. So yeah. You, you do, yeah. 100%. See that. I know that you've worked with plenty of companies all around the globe and some of them were, as you mentioned, VC-backed. Some of them were entirely bootstrapped and some of them were looking to raise the funds initially. So from your perspective, what do you think are some of the factors that we should look out for that, that recognizes that a company is actually ready to raise finance? Mm. I, I think maybe stepping back even one, one step back from that is that there are some businesses that can't exist without funding. 
Yeah. And they might be doing something like research-based or they might be attacking a market segment that needs an enormous amount of capital in order to be able to just like have the mind share and have the and be viable. And I think those kind of businesses, maybe it makes sense to to sell the dream and and build it from the be- the beginning. I think most businesses are looking for that elusive product market fit. Hmm. And you want to you want to know that what you're building is um, you're on the money. We're so fortunate that especially in in kind of my world in like software businesses the barrier to entry for building most businesses, uh, most software businesses is pretty low. Like the, there are open source tools that are fantastic. There are AWS gives you, you know, don't have to go and buy a server. You can yeah. rent one for like, <laughs> you know, an hour. And so there's a plugin for everything with probably with a free tier. So you can get up and running and, and have something to show for yourself with very little cash up front. What you should be doing is looking for that product market fit. And when you find it, then you're kind of at the crossroads where you go, great, I've got some customers, people are paying for this, people are willing to pay for it, people like it, you know, I'm showing some traction, clearly I'm doing something right. And it's, then you can go, okay, well, in order to grow my business to the next X revenue or to get the next X number of customers, they're all crying out for this one feature and like, I don't have time to build it. So maybe, <laughs> you know, that opportunity presents the right time to go raise money because you're raising money to do a thing. Yeah. So in that case, it's like there's only, you know, we have one developer and that person can only go, do these things. But we've got this customer that's sitting here that's saying, hey, like we'll buy you and these 10 other customers will buy us, but, you know, we need you to do this other thing as well. Mm. So maybe you want to hire a developer. Developers, you know, aren't necessarily cheap. So you need to go out and raise the money to do it. One of my experiences, like working at the first VC-backed company I worked at, they didn't have product market fit and had raised money on like a very early prototype. And, you know, they raised a million two, I think. And when I joined, I kind of joined as the first kind of non-founder hire. And then we had like four, I think there were like four devs. Yeah, there were four engineers there. And then and a design and a UX designer and someone else. So we're like a team of like seven people for a product that makes no money, that doesn't have product market fit. And you think about the salaries of those people and you go, wow, that's like probably 70 grand a month, 80 grand a month. Mm. And you go, that's insane, you know. And we were kind of building stuff without really knowing if it was the right thing to build because it felt like we all had to be doing something when probably the better course of action would have been to not raise until they felt like they really needed it and spend those first few months just like really honing the user experience and really understanding what customers want so yeah. that you're not just like throwing engineers at an unknown problem, which is a very expensive thing to do. So, yeah, so it's, it's I, th- I think the VC money is the rocket fuel, but you've got to build the rocket first. Yeah, um, I love that. For, 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 for me in most situations. Yeah, I love that. To touch on a little bit about some of the dangers of prematurely raising finance, mm. what would you say are the, the biggest dangers? I think it papers over problems in your business. I think you, you know, as I mentioned before, I was working in a business where, you know, we had like four devs. We didn't really need four devs, but hiring people and growing the team all feel like, like raising money, they feel like markers of success. It's like, hey, I've got office space, I've got a team, mm. like we're building stuff, you know, it's not ready for customers yet, but we're really kicking goals. And it's just like, 
if you were building this with your own money, would you be as easy come, easy go with the money? Mm. And so I think it, it lures companies sometimes into doing very, very unsustainable things that paper over fundamental problems in their business. So, you know, for some companies that's fine because there's a grander plan behind the scenes that means that the short term like unsustainability will be fixed in the long term. But that takes an enormous amount of discipline and understanding of what your product is going to be. For the businesses that I worked at, we were doing incredibly unsustainable things because the money was there and it felt like, you know, the money's there, we're meant to grow, like we're building this product and I know it's not really sustainable, but hey, like there are bigger forces at play here. And I think <laughs> you you lull yourself into that. I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of think that's the main thing. The other thing is that like, if you go and raise like a few million bucks, you're not just going to go and put it in the bank and sit on it. The the temptation and often the pressure from the from your investors is to go use it because they didn't give you two million bucks to go put in the bank and like just have for a rainy day. They gave it to you to grow the business. Mm. And so, you know, if you don't if you go and raise the money and you don't really know exactly the best way to spend it, or you haven't got a grand plan for it or you haven't got product market fit or or any of those things, then you're going to start spending it because, you know, when you meet with your investors every quarter, you're talking about growth. You're talking about like, look at this cool graph that goes up and to the right. You're sort of talking about your business and you want to show them that you're progressing and, and not failing. And so I think you you feel the pressure to spend the money. Yeah. Even if you shouldn't. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really a downward spiral. Not only do you feel the success theater of having to raise money, you feel like you're doing stuff, you've got your office and whatnot, but then you've got pressure from your investor to spend the money. Yeah, exactly. And I think it is real. It can, for an undisciplined founder, it can be easy come, easy go with the money. You know, maybe you think, oh, you know, this product that we're going to, you know, this developer there or this consulting company maybe who's going to come and write this big marketing plan for us and everything, like it's critical that we have this and they're the experts and you go and pay them 10 grand to do some report for you. And you don't, I don't know, like if it was my money, I'd probably go, uh, maybe not. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe we can figure this out ourselves. Like you, you, I think the constraints of, of having less forces you to be maybe a bit more creative and industrious and solve your problems i don't want to poo poo vc entirely <laughs> I, th- I just think it's a i just think it can be a trap if you don't know what you're doing with it yeah so thank you so much for being a guest here on the genesis of startups harry it was incredibly valuable having you talk about the process of raising finance why companies should raise finance and what are some of the cons of raising finance to our listeners i hope you found it incredibly valuable If you'd like to learn more about Harry or about the genesis of startups, feel free to drop us a line on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Until next time.